you guys are listening to Geeks to Glory. I'm your host, Chastin. I'm your other host, Josh. You guys are listening to episode 14 of Geeks to Glory. I'm your host, Justin, and my co-host here is Josh. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good, man. Late night recording tonight. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, late night. Instead of late night Rocket League, it's late night podcasting, which, so I yeah. think this is, this might work out better for us, generally, yeah, most nights, so. Yeah, uh, it's, it's actually, you know, pretty, pretty easy to do. Yeah, being being night owls, I guess, you know, it helps. Yeah. So even though I still wake up at like five, six in the morning, like even if I go to bed at twelve, <laughs> I can't sleep in. Yeah, we go to bed at like ungodly hours of the night, you know. Gosh. So like twelve is really early. If we fall asleep at twelve, like we're doing we're we're early we're early birds getting the worm, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's, yeah, it's it's real early for us, but uh, we yeah, usually stay, crazy. we usually stay up around like two or three. So it's not like, I mean that extra th- two or three hours. I mean, if I had to wake up at six, I guarantee I'd be going to bed at 10. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. Well, not us, man. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, your kids get up really early too, right? Yeah, they, they'll be up. Like if I leave at seven thirty ish for work, they'll sometimes be up. But then they sometimes won't be. So, oh, yeah, okay. I mean. They yeah. sleep about 12 hours. If we put our kids to bed at uh, like 7, 38, 9, they'd wake up at 6. <laughs> and so we don't want to, yeah. we don't really want any part of that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> mind it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, my wife, I, I, no, oh, no, it's fine. Uh, my wife's always been like, a, you know, she always has slept in late. So, She's just like she was homeschooled and stuff, so she was able to. Yeah. And she's just used to that. So she doesn't want to get up like at six or seven with the kids. Like she, her body's not ready for that. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. So, <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, so anyway, man, I know we're going to talk. Um, we're going to do talk about a little bit of our favorite characters from different media. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to talk about gospel centered living. Um, that's the second part of our major topic today. So uh, do you want to kick us off with some of your favorite characters from whatever yeah. media you want to go down? I mean, you could go, you could say like a video game character. I could rattle off a video game character. You could go movie. We can do it that way if you want, or you can just rattle off a bunch and then I'll rattle off a bunch, however you want to do it. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, so I guess I'll start, I'll start off with first thing that popped in my, into my head is favorite comic book superhero is spider-man yeah. for sure okay. um i i don't know i i didn't like him like so much when i was younger i really was into iron man uh for a while and then um i don't know i just like started really liking spider-man like i just really like his like almost childlike kind of behavior um and, and attitude you know very just kind of immature almost yeah. Um, compared to other superheroes and I don't know I just I just like that he's like like that but he's like super nerdy yeah. and like really smart and um 
And I remember, I forgot exactly. Oh man, which one was it now? I, I think one of the big turning points for me might have been Civil War, the graphic novel. Oh, okay. Um, I think it was that, but um, I just remember like like reading something and just being like, man, I love Spider-Man. And so then I was just like, I got to read more Spider-Man. So I just started reading a bunch of uh, comics and, and some graphic novels with him. And, and like, I have like Craven's last hunt and I have this uh, Spider-Man rain series, which is a really like dark version of Spider-Man. Like it's in the future. And he like is kind of given up on um, just, fighting crime he like doesn't care anymore he's kind of like what's the point like it's always something and um and like he lost mj and and like it is just like really uh dark almost kind of like uh old man logan um and so it was it was a really cool comic series and just you know ever since kind of getting off my iron man phase i've really been a huge spider-man guy and and i've really liked the villains and stuff so they say for Superhero slash comic books or comic movies, definitely uh, Spider-Man. And for specifically for Spider-Man movies, the newest rendition is by far my favorite. Yeah, I think I think the new movies um, nailed Peter Parker. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I don't know why it just seems like he's a really hard character to 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 nail down. You know, yeah. And and the biggest problem is like when you're casting you know, people in their late twenties to play a high school kid, I think it just doesn't work. So I think that's what made this Spider-Man really special was they, they casted right finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and so I really like that. Um, so would you say that that is like, is, is the movie Spider-Man like your favorite iteration or is, um, like which comic would you say is like your favorite version of Peter Parker, Spider-Man, or do you like Miles Morales? Like, where do you where do you go on that no i i kind of started reading miles morales but i just couldn't really like get into it too much like i don't know i wasn't a huge fan of it um i wouldn't mind necessarily if they started doing movies with him or something i don't know but um i don't know it it's i feel like it's almost easier to say oh the the movie is my favorite just because it's live action, so you almost feel a little bit more close to the just the character and the realness of it uh, than you do with like comics. But yeah, um, I don't know. I really liked. Uh, man, I'm like totally just so off my freaking comics right now. Um, Spider-Man Blue. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read through that uh, graphic novel, but it is amazing it is really good and i think that that was probably my favorite um comic uh rendition for sure and um, is that the one where he's dark no that one's called spider-man rain oh okay um yeah i don't i don't read like a lot of um well a lot of like superhero comics so i don't really the only my exposure to you know comic book heroes is in the movies sadly you know i I don't i feel like kind of not geeky saying that but um (laughs) i just never got into comics but those i mean i like the you'll you'll find out from my favorite characters like you'll see a pattern you know so that that dark one sounds really interesting to me 
Yeah, yeah, it, it it it's really good, but I I I wouldn't say it's my favorite rendition of Peter Parker, especially because like that one's different than yeah. like normal Peter Parker stories. So I feel like I almost can't even compare it. Um, but yeah, Spider Man Blue, I just I really love the storyline and um, just Peter Parker's character in that, and Spider Man's character when he's you know fighting and stuff. It wasn't like oh my gosh, he's just kind of being obnoxious. You know, and it wasn't like, okay, well, he's not acting like himself either, though. It was a really good um, balance of, of Peter Parker and Spider-Man and in that. So definitely check out Spider-Man Blue if you if you never have. It's definitely worth it. So so what about you, man? Well, as far as, like, favorite comic book characters go, um, I'm gonna, I'd am gonna i have to go with, uh, with Batman. Um, okay. Batman's my favorite. Um, and like I said, like, I'm not a big comic book reader, so... Um, I've read like, you know, the killing joke, um, and I've seen the movie and and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but I've also seen, um, you know, all the, all the Christopher Nolan. I think that's what really got me into Batman were the Christopher Nolan Batmans. And, um, so, you know, Batman begins the dark Knight. dark Knight rises. Um, I just, I just gravitate towards darker characters, I guess. So that's why I was saying like that, that, uh, that Spider-Man, that's dark, you know, kind of appeals to me maybe a little bit more than, you know, teenage, you know, Peter Parker from Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love Spider-Man Homecoming for sure. Um, and I love Peter Parker like that. But I also do like gritty, um, gritty comic book characters like a Batman. Like, I feel like the nature of how Batman operates, like, it doesn't really make sense to have like that 1960s Batman. <laughs> Like, you know, uh, like, holy cow, Batman, you know, like that stuff doesn't make any sense to me for Batman's character because like he would be a darker character, you know, with like a dark Mm -hmm. past and, and the way he has to operate being that he doesn't have superpowers, like he has to get things done in a different way. So, um, I really like that. I, I really like Batman. Um, I, I just really like, um, especially like the like the Batman the animated series you know like that was a pretty dark cartoon for kids you know and so um Mm -hmm. I mean so that's kind of where I kind of got into Batman was you know Mask of the Phantasm and and things like that and watching the animated series and then by the time the you know Christopher Nolan Batmans came out like I was hooked you know I, I saw the Dark Knight like opening night and I went the next day after staying up like all night so I saw it twice in like less than 24 hours and um, <laughs> I just, yeah, I love, I love that movie and, um, I like Batman. I'd love to be able to get into like the comics and, and, and really find out more about his character and stuff, but I don't really have time for that now. You know what I mean? But, um, but just seeing him on screen stuff's really cool. Like even the Batman versus Superman Batman, I, I was kind of, I kind of dig him, you know, I like Ben Affleck as Batman. Uh, the story's yeah. not, the story wasn't great, you know, but, um, but him as Batman, like those were the highlights of that movie, I thought, and yeah. um, and, and they made him incredible. They they even made him darker, you know, than than Christopher Nolan's Batman, which you kind of mm-hmm. didn't think was possible. But they did it in a way that wasn't like over the top as well. So yeah. I think I think they did a really good balance with that. Um, I don't know. Some people would argue that it was over the top, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> seeing as how they fundamentally change certain aspects of Batman's character in that. But that's the other thing is like, um, you know, Batman's a dark character, but he has a rule against killing. Like he won't kill. 
and um like Ben Affleck totally killed some people though. Oh yeah, but that's the that's that's what I'm talking about like the fundamentally okay. changing his character. Oh, okay. Um yeah. So like Batman doesn't kill. Ben Affleck's Batman kills. But yeah. <laughs> but uh but the traditional Batman like he doesn't kill even like, you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman, Christian Bale's Batman like he doesn't kill and and he has a pretty strict rule on that and no matter how bad the villain is like he tries to to work it out with the villain in the end you know there's there's a lot of stuff uh in the animated series and stuff where he's trying to work it out with the joker and, and the joker just never never comes around you know so uh, yeah. so i do i i like batman he's he's my favorite uh comic book hero but i i think the problem with batman is like he doesn't have those super cool superpowers so he is limited you know but mm-hmm. um but I like him because um, you don't have to have those superpowers to be like a hero, I think is what it shows. I mean, maybe you have to be a billionaire, but, um, yeah. but you don't have to be a superhero. You know, you don't have to have superpowers. Yeah. yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's a uh, Marvel's answer to Batman kind of in a, yeah. in a light way though. Right. Like Iron yeah. Man, Tony Stark is like a comical uh, character, at least in, in the Marvel cinematic universe, you know, and, um, yeah. and I like him. I actually really like Iron Man too. So, um, I could, I could kind of go toss up with Iron Man and, and Batman just as far as like movies go. Cause they've mm-hmm. been, they've been really good in the movies. Yeah, for sure. Nice man. Um, let's see. So then I'm trying to think, I guess we'll go into video games. Yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite character from a video game. Um, this is hard because <laughs> I'm like, I uh, like one of my initial just reactions to it is Link from Zelda. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like that's lame. Yeah. Almost because there's no character depth with Link. <laughs> you know, like you don't really know much of his past and any of the Zeldas and, and stuff. So um, I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll try. Uh, I'm going to say Skull Kid, I think, is is definitely probably one of my favorites. Um, I'm not sure top, but like I'm just having a hard time picking like a top, top favorite yeah. character from video games. And I'm sure there's even characters that I forget um, right now. But Skull Kid, I, I like um, probably a bit because I like Majora's Mask a lot, but... I like Skull Kids because he was kind of like the outcast. And so um, that kind of like really hurt him. And so when he was like able to get a hold of uh, Majora's Mask and then he had like all these powers and stuff, you know, I can like almost in a way sympathize just because like, you know, when you're a kid and you get bullied and stuff, you know, like you just, you just want to have that power to, to stop it in, in a way. And, and, um, and he did that, but he also went too far and then he became the bully. And, um, so I guess I just, I just like the, the kind of like, I guess, sadness to see of what happens in real life. A lot of times, you know, when like you think of, you know, when I guess you could say even sometimes with like sh- shootings that happen, unfortunately, you know, it's 
people that might have gotten bullied. I know that uh, that kind of happened like a bit with the Columbine, if I remember correctly, from um, the guys like seeing, you know, some of their motivations possibly and stuff. And, and, you know, it's just that power gets to, to people and, and it's a heart check also to, you know, just reject, you know, control and abusing people and and being able to see it just portrayed in different ways you know and that's like a huge reason why i love video games is being able to see you know we've talked about the different emotions and stuff from from video games and as simple as a game as zelda might be there's still a lot of depth to the villain i think they did a really good job with um skull kid in majora's mask and and just, you know, sometimes you may not notice those details. When I was a kid, I probably didn't ever think twice about it. But now that I'm kind of an adult, kind of, <laughs> um, I I can see, like, you know, his motivation, you know, and I can just feel that kind of pain um, from, like, him bullying and stuff, you know. And, and seeing him get defeated, you know, is, like, the ultimate good in the game, you know. But, um it's one of those situations where it's just like you feel bad for, for that person, but like at the same time, like you still you have to stop it though, you know. Like they yeah. took it too far, and and um, and I don't know. It's just I think I think sometimes too, like as far as this specific character goes, like a lot of the theme music for him and is like just plays in my head, and I'm just like, I love that soundtrack. It's a very dark and like really like twisted, just kind of sounds in that game and and they just i don't know nintendo did a great job with that and i think they did a good job with all the characters in majora's mask honestly because they're all just kind of out there and and it's just keeps that story and gameplay just exciting yeah yeah uh for sure i can i can totally relate to that um i would say i don't know like i have a hard time with video game characters sometimes um because i like a i like a lot of video game characters um but but for some reason, like I, I'm gonna kind of like cheat and go with like a couple, <laughs> because you love the ball from Rocket League, don't you? I the Just ball kidding. from Rocket League is the unsung hero of of video games <laughs> of all time, really. <laughs> um, it just it, it just brings so much joy and it brings so much sadness that no. Um, <laughs> so what? Uh, one second, I like I don't know why, but I kind of just had like small epiphany here yeah. and i realized that rocket league is basically pong <laughs> yeah no it's <laughs> it's pong with four cars so yeah um, I, was, I was just like what yeah wait a second hey i mean uh, pong pong is anyway. one of the greatest games ever made considering that it's like one of the first ones you know and yeah it it, it earns its place where it does where it belongs but um i would say so cortana from the Halo series is is always been one of my favorite characters. Um, I I really loved her story arc through the first four. I haven't, admittedly, I haven't finished um, Halo Five yet. Um, but but Cortana's you know arc in the first four Halo games is is really good, and, and just her connection with Master Chief, like Master Chief, doesn't say a lot you know, like he's mm-hmm. kind of just a, 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 almost like a killing machine, you know, and that's what he was um, born and raised to do was to, you know, be a, be a soldier, a super soldier. And, and yeah. so like Cortana's kind of like his soul, you know, like uh, is kind of like the soul behind Master Chief, if you will, like, 
and, and and to see the relationship and how much you know Master Chief loves Cortana that you really see that in the in the fourth game like I thought that was a, a really really good piece of storytelling and I for me that was like the high point of of Halo storytelling I don't think anybody would say you know Halo has one of the best video game stories of all time um I think they people would say it's interesting but I think um yeah. but I think like that story arc kind of just it, it just made Cortana it elevated her for me um and I and I really like Cortana um I also really like um Joel and Ellie um, from the last of us there that's kind of probably my uh that's probably my favorite story um in a video game ever and just the because of the world that they live in you know they have to make such difficult choices and and horrible decisions and and you think about the decision that's made at the very end of the game you know and it's just like it's you're, you're glad in a way but you're also like heartbroken and and sad and <laughs> like um it those characters just kind of draw you in and they make you feel a part of their journey in a sense you know the the writers do a really good job of making these these characters feel real and yeah. um and just uh you know submersing yourself in in their world and and kind of just feeling the emotions that you're feeling you know you look at the very very beginning of the game and and uh spoiler alert but you know when Joel's daughter gets killed you know, for some reason, like they had already done such a good job building that up in the first 10 minutes of the game that it was like mm. crushing, you know, and you just felt yeah. like the weight of it. And, and, um, and like, so a lot of that game was motion capture, you know, so, um, you know, the actor that played Joel, you know, like the way he fell to the ground and was cradling his daughter, you know, like you could just feel it and you just felt heartbroken and, and so it's just a it's a beautiful piece of storytelling and it elevates the characters. You know, that's a game that's a very character driven game and and you're supposed to be invested in the characters and care about what happens to them. So um yeah. I think Joel and Ellie like in in tandem cuz I I feel like you can't have um that game without Joel and Ellie. You know, like if it's just one or the other, uh it's not as good and and I think of like the early missions in that game when you're not with Ellie, like those are not as good as the later missions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I, I don't know. That's, that's probably what I always, uh, I'll probably always go with that. That's my favorite. That's my favorite game. Those are my favorite characters, my favorite story. So, um, across the board, probably that. And, and Cortana, I got to throw Cortana a bone. Cause like, you know, she's, she's, she's got a soft spot in my heart, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, let's see. What other favorite characters? All right, let's do TV show now. Oh, okay. So, oh man. I would, we, like, we could almost dedicate an entire episode, uh, seriously, yeah. probably just to like dun, dun, subdivisions dun, and dun, genres. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but let's see. TV show, kind of do a broad. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm going straight to the office. Yeah, that's why I started singing the, the theme song. Cause... Oh man, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go with Dwight. Oh okay, nice. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> He's just so hilarious and just so just kind of like, like manly, but in the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> He's, man- he's manly if, you know? like, the 1600s 
were still a relevant thing. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like but it's so appealing and so hilarious, you know, yeah. because he doesn't care mm-hmm. what anybody thinks. He's just like, you all are idiots. And- well, I, I would disagree with that, though, because there, I mean, he, I think he get the beauty of Dwight is they, he, um, he gives that appearance that he doesn't care what other people thinks, but there, there are moments in the show where things do hit him hard and, and yeah. you can tell it hurts him, you know, like, especially like I think about this stuff with like him and Angela, um, there's stuff towards like the end, you know, when she's with the Senator and stuff like he's hurt, you know, he, you can tell he's like mm-hmm. very hurt. Like he's a, he's a great oh. character because he, I think there are a lot of times he really doesn't care what you think you know and then yeah there's... And that, well so that's i guess what i mean yeah. so i guess i can kind of re-clarify that yeah. or clarify it initially um i i guess i mean like he doesn't care in the like when he thinks something is right mm-hmm. like he doesn't care what anyone else thinks yeah you know what i mean yeah and so like <laughs> i don't know just just whenever he thinks that hey i need to prove that nobody knows fire safety yeah he's like this is the best way to do it i'm gonna set the building up <laughs> you know fire. what i mean yeah 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 like <laughs> and and so i don't know i just like i love that kind of just quirkiness and just yeah. <laughs> he's just like yeah it's like everyone just needs to grow up a little bit because sometimes i'm like yeah everyone does need to grow up a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh yeah tv show that's Dwight. that's rough. I feel like you could put like almost the entire cast of the office in that because, I mean, they're that's minus a, Toby. Well, yeah, everybody hates Toby, <laughs> but that's the other. That's the the best part of that writing is like I bet that guy is such a nice guy in real life, you know. But I know, uh, right? Um, but yeah, I think I think I'm gonna have to go with Michael Scott. Um, just the relationship that he has with Dwight. Um, it's always, you know, Dwight's little brother and Dwight just takes it. You know, that's the one thing. That's the one person that Dwight just, you know, he'll suck up to like none other. Um, but at the same time, still try to weasel his way into getting Michael's job. (laughs) And it's funny because it, Dwight's in game is to be, you know, the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin. Like that is the greatest job in the history of time. And, and it's, it's great. It's a great dynamic because Michael Scott also loves Dunder Mifflin for some reason. Like everybody's mean to him, you know, no one really likes him. He's like, kind of like Toby. It's like, he's really, really mean to Toby and he doesn't really get that. Like everybody else thinks he's Toby. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the best part of, of, uh, the office. But, um, when they, uh, the way they wrapped up his character, um, still like oh. still like gets me emotional almost like every time i watch it and um yeah. his 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 final scene with jim um you know almost makes me cry every single time the first oh. two times i saw it i cried so um yeah and then when he sees pam you're just kinda yeah like, yeah <gasps> yeah and then and then off 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 mic he gives his signature uh catchphrase for one last Michael Scott moment. <laughs> and yeah. I, I always thought that that was really, really great. But um, <laughs> I've always I've always loved Michael Scott because, like, he just doesn't get it, you know? And he just really, really, really wants everybody to like him, except mm-hmm. for Toby. Like, he really, really hates Toby. <laughs> yeah. um, I just love the dynamic because, you know, I could have honestly gone with Jim as well because I think Jim's a really, really good character in that show. But I think um, 
he's just not as he doesn't stand out as much as Michael and all the idiosyncrasies that Michael has and and him and Dwight together make that show. Uh, I don't. I mean, there's no way that show would have lasted without um, Steve Carell and Rain Wilson for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they. I mean, they, the show. If you look like, at it, the show like really sucks. <laughs> you know, for a season at least, you could say. Um, after after Michael Scott leaves, like I, uh-huh. I just it loses you a little bit. You just you just miss the dynamic that was there, you know. And I, I feel like they got it back in season mm-hmm. nine, and they they kind of righted the ship for one last season. But it was season they the, had the rest of season right. seven and eight was rough for me. It yeah no I agree, but I I will say that they had some good moments with Will Ferrell. They did. But that's um, but that, that's the thing is like I wish they would have kept him and and honestly like I, I I wish James Spader wasn't didn't take over like I think he killed the momentum of the show you know uh, really I did I I could not stand Robert California for anything like I do not like oh, his really? character oh, no dude. he is can- oh, I he is, like really liked him he is cancer <laughs> to me I would have oh, I would have much rather seen you know Ray Romano. Or, or you know, a number <laughs> of the guys good. that they actually interviewed. You know, like Ray Romano would have been great, yeah. I think. Um, and honestly, like I think if they had just promoted Dwight to being, you know, the manager, like I, mm-hmm. I loved his arc that he was finally going to get to be the the manager, and then he does something <laughs> to screw it up. I mean, that's like Dwight, but I would have liked that to like happen down the road, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like the Will Ferrell stuff was really good. And I just wish he would have stayed on for a little bit longer, but um, they, I feel like they, he was so weird. Yeah. Yeah. But he was, he was a lot like Michael Scott, you know, like he was a good replacement. It it was because he had, because like the first season of The Office is like the absolute hardest to watch. It is. Yeah. But honestly, one of the hardest scenes for me to watch is his, is Will Ferrell's juggling scene. Like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, dude. I just am like, oh, that would be so painful in real life. Like, <laughs> what would you even do? <laughs> yeah. I don't even, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. continue. Oh, uh, well, and I, I don't know. Like, I, that show's probably like one of the, if not the best show of all time. It's one of them. The first season, yeah. like, it's hard to watch because they, they just took like a lot of stuff from uh, the British office and mm-hmm. uh, it was like, it didn't feel um it, it just doesn't feel the same like it feels like a totally different show to me um in the first season uh when they get in the second season i feel like they started writing their own stuff and and you know will ferrell or uh, steve carell started improvising and and being steve carell and i didn't feel like it was quite that way in the first season um yeah and then when you lost Steve Carell, like season seven and the rest of season seven and eight, like they they were kind of rough. I mean, Will Ferrell was good, um, and there was times where season eight was good. I'm not saying it was like, you know, hor- like horrible or anything. It was just it was hard to watch, you know, and and it just lost some steam. And by the ninth season, like it finally started feeling like The Office again, and um, just the way they closed everything up, like it it was a great ending. I loved it, mm-hmm. like, uh, but Steve Carell specifically as Michael Scott. Uh, I mean, he is the world's best boss. Yeah, so <laughs> he is. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Well, I think that that probably be it for now. We might do this another time in the future, and yeah, we can go through some 
other characters because I mean we could hit so many different genres of movies and TV shows if we wanted to you know just so we can talk about some of the best characters out there but um yeah so I guess you know we can if you're ready I'm uh I am to start talking about uh having a gospel centered life yeah man go go for it take us away all right yeah um well I guess when we were just talking about what we should talk about, I don't know, I just figured that, you know, this is something that is just important to to do. I mean, when God saves us, like, it's not like he saves us and then we can go on, you know, and do, do whatever we want. Um, we're called to be holy and we're called to be like Christ. And so um, I think as Christians, like, if we don't have a gospel-centered life, um, then there should definitely be some examination done. Um, and and so having a gospel-centered life, you know, just means that, like, our lives are built around and on uh, the gospel. And so um, my worldview is going to come from God and his word, not from my own thinking and, and, or the world's thinking or, or anything like that. And, um, so how I work at my job, you know, I want to, even though I fail, I mean, I want to do my best to glorify God with, with my work. I want to be respectful to my bosses, um, out of a call to submit to authority and, um, yeah, I just, I want to, I want to obey the rules. You know, they put, they put certain rules in place um, because that's what they think is best for the company. So, I mean, I want to, I want to obviously obey those rules unless they contradict scripture. But uh, at home, I want to be focused on loving my family the way that God calls me to. And uh, at anything else I, I do really I want to always be focused on on doing it to the glory of God and and doing it in accordance to his word mm-hmm. and I think that that should absolutely be every Christian's desire and it should be our duty to do that yeah um, and ultimately like I mean living a golf a gospel centered life um, you know that that looks like you know when we're around other people especially like non-believers, they should be able to see Christ in us. They should be able to see that there's something different. And, and honestly, like that's one of the most powerful ways that we can win over the lost in the world. Like I've always liked the saying that, um, um, you know, a Christian, a Christian might be the only Bible that, that a non-Christian ever reads. And so mm-hmm. if, if someone knows that you're a Christian, um, they're going to be looking at you and, and, uh, really, really studying you and, and looking and seeing and trying to, you know, uh, poke holes in your life and seeing if you know what's really there. Uh, but if you're living uh, for Christ and you're living to glorify Him in everything that you do, um, He's going to shine through in your life, and the others around you are going to be able to see that you're different, that you're set apart, and uh, and it gives you that opportunity to to have a, a strong witness amongst the non-believers, and and they'll be able to say like, "Wow, this guy is he's different." Like. You know, he's kind to everybody that, that he talks to. You know, he's um, he shares about, you know, his God. And, and I just want to know more about, like, why he's that way, you know? Um, so it gives you a, it gives you an inroad 
um, to talk to a non-believer who, who just sees you acting differently and in a good way. And, um, and I think like if we're, if we're doing that, if we're, um, truly living by what, uh, the word of God says, and we're living, uh, a, a gospel centered life and, and our lives are, are, um, exemplifying Christ, like others around us are, are going to take notice. And I think that's the, mm-hmm. the biggest, uh, the biggest point about it. Like, um, sure there's, you know, around other believers, we should also be exemplifying Christ and, 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 and living a gospel centered life. And, um, that's, that's a huge, um, benefit for, for our, you know, especially our younger, uh, believers in the Lord and, um, that, that allows us to disciple and come around and, and train and, and give up wisdom and, 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 and the same for us. Like we go to the older, older men and, and we look for, for the wisdom that they've, you know, garnered over the years. And, and, Uh and we can see that because of the life that they're living. Like you, you can tell the people in, in your church that are, are living a, a life that glorifies God and, and you can, it, it makes you want to go up to them and approach them and, and ask them questions and, and, um, and just seek wisdom from them as well, because you know that they're honoring the Lord with everything that they do. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't blow it and fall and mess up, but at the same time, like when we do blow it and, and fall, a, a gospel centered life says that the Christian owns it and, and they admit it and they repent from it. Um, they call yeah. it for what it is, you know, they call it sin and they turn away from it. And, and that's a, that's a powerful witnessing tool as well to, to say like, look, my God is a forgiving God, you know, but I mm-hmm. sinned, I was wrong. Um, but I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not going to take part in that. I'm turning away from it and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call it for what it is. And, and, um, so there's, there's a lot of aspects of living a gospel centered life, but ultimately, um, it's for God's glory. It's to his glory alone. And, um, and, and it's, it's to win, uh, the souls of the lost. It's another tool that we have because if we're living a gospel centered life, then the gospel is flowing out from us and, uh, and others can see that. Oh yeah, definitely, man. Amen. And I think that, um, you know, one important aspect too is like, um, like you, you you touched on, you know, just on when we do fail. Um, yeah, I think that's important that we see a lot today when ever a church or someone does wrong, like non-believers are so quick to jump on it. And, um, and it's a little discouraging simply like, I, I kind of get discouraged on both sides. Cause I'm just like, Oh man, like, like we as the church should be out, you know, trying to, uh, to, to love them, to share the gospel with them and to share the truth with them. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like, well, it, it would also just be, I mean, I don't want to expect too much of people, but it would be nice if they, like, since they're so anti-Christian or anti-God, you would kind of assume that, okay, well, they must know some things about the Bible. You would think that maybe they understand that, hey, like, we're not perfect. Christians aren't perfect people, you know? And so I'd, like, try to, you know, desire the right thing through that just because like I said I don't want to expect too highly of people but sometimes I can be a little frustrated because I'm like well I mean you're this one professing how atheistic you are or whatever and you're trying to call other people out like I've always wanted to I mean obviously 
ninth commandment as well, but I've always wanted to represent people fairly, you know? And so like, to me, I'm not going to just start using straw men arguments against Mormons or Jehovah's witness to, to try to just prove them wrong. You know what I mean? I'm not going to use bad arguments. I want to make sure I know exactly what they believe. So I represent them fairly because that's what I would want done to me. And so seeing people rip on Christians because they don't, behave exactly like Jesus did, you know, it's just kind of like, well, let, let's all, let's come together, let's talk through these things, and let's make sure we understand each other properly, you know, because I think when we want to share the truth, that's important, and so it just plays back into living a gospel-centered life and just trying to be ready to to witness to people and to witness to them the right way, you know, because you could easily do it the wrong way, and that's not helping the kingdom. And, and so when God commands us to be ready with a defense, like we need to do that and we need to be ready and we need to be ready to love them through that. And as much as I can get frustrated with non-believers, like I pray that the Lord, you know, keeps me from ever being a jerk to them, you know, like, um, because he doesn't call us to do that. You know, he calls us to, to love them, to show them the truth and love and have, um, our defense ready with love, like not, you know, to put people down or anything like that, but to show them the truth and show them the error of, of their ways and show them what truth really is and who truth really is. And, and so I think it's important to live out the gospel in in your everyday life and being ready for the defense of the faith and, and just everything. When you wake up, you know, it like should be, the first thing you you think about and that you work towards is God, how can I glorify you today? What can I do better? You know, and every morning I wake up and I, I just start praying and I start seeking the Lord and, and pray that, you know, that I would live for God and that I would do things that honor and glorify him and not live for myself. And, and it's a battle. I mean, it, it really is. And if I wasn't focused on the gospel being, the center of my life being what I build my life on, then I would just ultimately be building my life just on sand and, and it wouldn't be going well for me or, or anything. And even if life didn't go well, if I'm building my life on the gospel, on the rock, then it doesn't matter what happens, you know, because I know the Lord is, is building a place for his, his children. And so, Ultimately, gospel-centered life will have us be ready in season and out of season and for whatever comes our way. And so it's, I mean, it's the most important thing to do. And, you know, I think just for me personally, like one of the struggles I've been having is just trying not to be like greedy about money or about things or anything like that. And And it's just sometimes can be, can be hard just because, you know, especially when you're nerdy and geeky and you want, you know, the latest tech and then you're just like, oh, but I don't really need, like, I don't need any of this stuff, you know? And, yeah. and so it's, it, it, it's definitely a struggle, you know, but I mean, we have to keep focusing back on the gospel and keep, keep doing that so we can make the proper changes in our life. And I mean, it's just the Christian life is, continual life of repentance it's not a one-time thing at all yeah yeah and uh and i think like in in terms of like 
geekiness and stuff, especially in like gaming, like um, living a Christian life, like uh, gaming allows us to do that, you know, with, with like the, you know, communication that we have, you know, the chat and, and things mm-hmm. like that. It allows us to, um, it allows us the opportunity to share with others, you know, and, and, and even in those situations and something lighthearted, like a video game, um, it allows us to bring in the reality that we need a savior. And, and so, um, it's not all bad, you know, like, um, like you fight the battle of, of, of feeling greedy or being greedy and stuff. And, and, um, there's definitely, you, you can definitely cross the line into that for sure. Really easily yeah. with, with tech and, and games and stuff. But at the same time, um, it's also another, um, avenue that we have, uh, where we can, we can live out our Christian lives and, and be an example. Because if you look at like a, the gaming community in general, it's really toxic, really vile. Um, the worst of the worst are, are yeah. gamers, you know? And, um, and that's great. Like, um, there's, there's a lot of Christians online too, you know, and, and it's, you know, we need to speak up and share our faith and, and, and share the love of Jesus, uh, because we were all once, uh, in that place. Um, I know that there's some people that have mm-hmm. gone to church and, you know, really never fallen into big sins and stuff, but, um, like the, you know, some big nasties, but everybody was in a place where they, um, rebelled against God. Like Paul says that no one has sought after God, not even one. And so, I rebel against God every single day. Yeah, and and we're believers, right? Like, yeah. Um, and so, so like, we need to be out there. You know, that we need some Christian geeks that are gonna play video games and share the love of Christ with others. Because, like, you know, you're probably gonna talk to hundreds of people, and you might only get through to one. But like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, it's our, it's our, it's the Great Commission. Like, it's our call. To, to go out and make disciples of all nations. And like, I mean, there's so many gamers out there that clearly don't know the Lord, you know, and, and, and like, I have yeah. a heart for those people cause they're, they're interested in the same thing I'm interested in They're They're into games and, and being geeky and they like tech. And so like, I feel like I already have a common ground with those people, you know, like, okay, we, yeah. we like these, this same thing. Like, let me share about Jesus with you, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and then just to go back to what you said about, uh, representing people fairly and 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 honestly like like that we should represent people fairly as christians um mm-hmm. but we also have to understand the flip side of that coin is very very likely the world isn't going to represent us fairly i mean they didn't represent christ oh, yeah. fairly at all <laughs> he did nothing oh. wrong and they <laughs> crucified him so um you know the world is not going to represent us fairly no matter how much we want it want them to or 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 hope that they will because the reality is they just there's so many out there that just hate the lord and they Mm -hmm. they don't want anything to do with him so anything that has to do with us and if we fall like they're gonna come after us and attack us big time and they're they're not gonna like Mm -hmm. look at scripture and see like oh well peter stumbled even (laughs) like and he was an apostle he's like one of the greatest christian men in the history of time and yet he fell horrendously you know like Mm -hmm. um but but he also turned away and repented and 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 Jesus forgave him you know um the, you don't the world doesn't want to look at that they just want to condemn you because they don't want to hear in their flesh they don't want to hear that they're wrong they don't want to hear that that they're going to hell if they don't repent yeah. and change like when you tell a non-believer that like their natural inclination is to bow up and get angry and and to pop off and and to disagree and get you know 
you know, hateful. And um, that's just the way our flesh is. Like, even when people tell me something now that, like, I was in the wrong, like, my initial reaction, even if I don't lash out or anything, is just, like, I don't want to hear that. um, That's just, that's our... Trying to justify it somehow. Yeah, that's our 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 inborn sinful nature, you know? And, um, and, uh, and so we, we have to fight that and just love them through that. And, and hopefully Mm -hmm. the love that we have for them will, will be convicting, you know, will, um, and and the light of Christ will shine and, and they'll, they'll repent and be saved. But I mean, I have no expectation of the world ever, um, you know, saying like oh i get it like you sinned but you turned away like and jesus forgave you like i get that like of course they're not gonna get that (laughs) they don't they don't believe in jesus you know and like um and so their natural inclination is like look at these hypocritical christians that are you know saying one thing and living a different way well they don't look at they don't understand that you know we're all capable of sin we we're all capable of falling into sin like that doesn't necessarily mean we're living in that we're not walking in it there's a big difference between walking and falling and and, um, and, and, and so of course they're going to come out with their pitchforks, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, I guess like, I don't know, like I wasn't like, no, no, no I, I wasn't, I, I mean, I was trying to say it too, like, you know, I don't want to expect too much of them, but I also like yeah. look at it too, where, you know, in Proverbs, it tells us to answer a fool according to his folly. So I guess like, this is just another, like, oh, I should have been a little more specific kind of like earlier on, but like. I, I'm I'm thinking of those people that will pull out Bible verses yeah. and be like, oh, look at what it says here. And you're all over here being greedy, buying things you don't need, you know, and that's that's where I'm just kind of like, all right, well, you're taking the time to to read some scripture like, you know, let's 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 just keep going a little bit further with it then. And so I, I guess I just have like some specific like groups of of people in mind that say I've read through all of the scriptures and, you know, kind of thing. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's people out there that will say these kind of things and then, and then go off and it's just kind of like, well, you claim that you just read all of scripture or that you claim you used to be a Christian and you walked away because they're all just hypocrites or something. You know what I mean? So I was speaking specifically about a certain group of people, people who are just oblivious obviously it would be you it's just it, it's another one of those areas like you just have to have a gospel centered life so that way you can handle each group of people differently you know what i mean so you don't want to go and talk to a mormon and be trying to defend the faith as if you were talking to a jehovah's witness right like, right they're gonna be like why would <laughs> we don't think those things <laughs> right, right you know so you just have to you just have to be ready you know yeah yeah for sure um yeah uh, that's, I mean, that's right on. I mean, we, we have to, uh, we have to be prepared, uh, to talk to people of various different, uh, religious, political, like whatever, non-religious atheists, like we have to be ready to talk to different people and we have to be able to relate to them, um, in, in a way that, uh, shows the power of Christ and, and the power of, of the cross and, and his resurrection. And, um, we have to, we have to communicate to, uh, a lot of different people groups, you know, um, and, 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 uh, I mean, ultimately if, if we're, um, focused on the word, if we're, we're, um, really stewing over the word and, and studying it, 
um, we're going to live those things out in our lives, and we're going to be able to see the different religious and political background, the different views in the world, and we're going to be able to speak to the different views um, mm-hmm. because we're going to know our Bibles. We're going to know what, what God says um, ab- about those things. I mean, essentially, like, there's nothing new under the sun. So, um, yeah. So I mean, whether it be idolatry or, or you know, whatever it is, whatever the sin is, like, you know, it's already been thought of. It's already been done. Um, and God mm-hmm. speaks to it in his word. And, and so um, the only way we can live a gospel-centered uh, life is to be well-equipped um, with with uh, what God's given us in his word. And, um, and that's, you know, a lot of times, you know, Christianity is, um, you know, metaphorically shown as, as a battle. And, and, and that's, that's really what we're in. We're in a battle and, and, um, and God's given us all that we need to preserve us in that battle and, and to hopefully win over, um, you know, those that, that are in rebellion to him. And, and, and I just think of myself, like I was totally in rebellion to him when I was in high school and, um, and, and growing up, you know, prior to that. And I just mm-hmm. know that there's people in my life that God kept sending, um, as soldiers for the gospel and just, um, it just was wearing me down. You know, they were wearing me down and, and, and God was finally breaking through and he was chiseling away at the hardness of my heart. Um, and, and eventually, you know, like God's, you know, God's grace prevailed, you know? Um, and and so, uh, and, and for me, you know, like I, I know that, um, you know, like I could feel that call, like, for a long time, you know, and, and I just rejected it and rejected it and rejected it. But, you know, like those he calls, he's going to, he's going to win for Christ. Like, like those he calls, he's gonna, he's gonna give you a new heart, you know? Um, yeah. you can deny it for a while, but, um, <laughs> he's gonna win. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so anyway, I know that, um, the word is the most important thing in this is knowing the word, uh, studying it, and loving the word, you know, and, and, um, mm-hmm. that is going to equip us for, for whatever situation that we find ourselves in. And that'll equip us to live a, a gospel centered life and, and to be that example in the world and to be the light in the darkness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Amen. And, you know, I mean, if you guys are ever doubting, like, like, oh, well, the Bible wouldn't really affect me in this area or this area you will be surprised, you know, and, and the more and more that you read scripture, the more you realize like how it just affects everything, you know, I mean, having a gospel centered life is going to change the way you work. It's going to change the way you treat people. It's going to change the way you view your family. It's going to change the way you play video games. It's going to change everything it's going to change your witness and it's not going to change only that kind of stuff but it's also going to change your sanctification like if we know god's word then we're going to know what is and isn't sin and what we should avoid and so it's vitally important you know in in our sanctification um because if we don't know god's law then how are we obey god and so um so yeah have a have a gospel-centered life guys yeah. I mean, that's why we do, uh, this show, you know, uh, 
this is a part of living out a gospel-centered life. We uh, we feel like sharing our faith with others is important, and especially in a community of of people who are like us that you know like the same things that we do. And and this is just one area where we feel like we can uh, share. Uh, the gospel, and and we have a little bit of a platform, and and we want to use it to to glorify Christ, and um, and so that's why we do this, you know, um, that just um, as an example to live a, a Christ-centered life, like this is what God wants us to do. Um, it's not necessarily a podcast for everybody, but that's how we feel like God's called us in, into a, a little ministry, you know, in this, and mm-hmm. um, I think it's really really neat. I was going to ask, yeah. did you uh, did you get a little bit pumped up when I was uh, sharing my irresistible grace? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, I was like, I, could, I, <laughs> I could feel you. I could, I could feel your Calvinism just like full of joy, <laughs> like, burning, and just be like, yeah, oh. like, amen, brother, <laughs> preach. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but anyway, so so next week we're going to be doing. Um, our Star Wars preview, the Last Jedi preview, because that'll be um, the week of uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. So yep. you know I'm geeking hard about that. So I'll I'll, yeah. I'll share that for ne- I'll, I'll save that for next week, um, mm-hmm. and then the week after the next Sunday. So the 10th will be the preview. The 10th will be or the 17th will be um, the review. Um, so are you? Gonna, you're definitely going to be able to see it by then, right? Yeah, I, I shouldn't have a problem. But okay. I was gonna say though, should we maybe consider waiting one to give people a little bit more time, or what do you think? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we'll that, that might be a good idea. Uh, but anyway, we anyway that that last Jedi review will be coming. Um, yeah, and I, before I, the end of the year. Yeah, before the end of the year for sure. That'll be a part of our like we're gonna. I know we're gonna record a couple episodes here, so we can take a little bit of a break for the holidays. We won't yeah. miss any Sundays. Um, but it'll be like when we were having, uh, my wife and I were having our second child, like we'll record in advance and, and some yeah. of the topics we talk about might not be relevant anymore. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll, we'll probably do that. Um, just so we can, you know, enjoy time with our family in the holidays. I mean, we really enjoy the podcast, but you know, our, yeah. we don't want to take away, uh, time from our families either. So, um, Definitely. so yeah, next week. Uh, the Star Wars preview is is uh, Cassandra's dad going to come with us? Is he going to come talk with us? Uh, I'll I'll talk to him this week. I don't know. He's okay. so busy, so it's kind of hard because just because he wor- he literally works like almost all day. So okay, that's kind of hard for that's, him. But we'll, we'll that's, see. That's fine. I'll 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 come at you guys with with plenty of Star Wars goodness um, Good. to prepare you for it. And and other than that, you know, uh, where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook, Geeks to Glory. Email is geeks to glory at gmail.com. And obviously, listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever other podcast catcher you guys use. Awesome. And uh, we'll see you guys, Lord willing, next week. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And remember, get geeky with God's word before getting geeky with God's world. <laughs> <laughs>